0: Good morning, good morning, everybody. How are you all doing today? We are going to be discussing the newest episode of the House of the Dragon show on HBO Max. The episode name is the rogue prince. What we do every week here on the salt podcast, we sit down with some hardcore book nerds and some casual fans like myself. And we break down the newest episode of the show to see if they can shed the bad blood of the season eight of game of Thrones and uh, have a good time doing it. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, I see you guys in the chat already. JT is here. Farnsworth. We've got a couple of great, uh, reoccurring fans in the chat. Thank you all for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm stoked to talk about this episode. I have some thoughts and I have some salt to drop on it as well. So let me introduce my panel of nerds. As always, joining me, Matt Vader seventy four, the color commentator. What's up, sir? How you doing? Uh, I woke up with a little bit of a of a thing in my throat. So um, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Um, got a frog in your throat? Got a frog.
1: Got a frog. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to say once again that I really resent this week's thumbnail. Kadesh mm. calling me or any of us except maybe. Mr. Akiki, there, an expert in anything, <laughs> just as annoying as hell. So I'm
2: an expert it. in lots of stuff.
3: Stop so. it. We
2: well, call me an be- expert. It's going
0: to be funny to have the thumbnail say we're experts and then hear us butcher the names from the show. Expert, expert analysis.
3: Listen, I did my part. I know. We got a
0: text message from Jude this morning with all the pronunciations of all the various characters. Thank you. Thank you, Jude. And was you know what?
3: You're welcome. <laughs> oh, Charles, it was driving me crazy too. This morning I was like, I have a, a list of names I need to text everyone. Yeah. Yeah. As
4: someone whose name has been mispronounced, Pronounced countless times
2: over my life. I completely feel for this. So I'm a name nerd. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I get it. I get it. That's all good. I blame so, George you- R. Martin for naming all these people weirdly.
3: Yeah. yeah, I know. Right? I mean, even I get confused too, because some of the names like throughout history, you know, first of his name, tw- second of his name, third of his name, but then even if they're different names, they're still the same name. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, that was kind of that was actually, I mean, without going too far into that, it was very kind of like Lord of the Rings, like if you were in a certain section of that world, like the Roho, mm. the Rohain, like there was kind of an AO situation going on. So it's kind of like mm. the Targaryens, their names are similar, so it kind of fits.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyway, Jude, welcome. Thank you for being here. And uh, Charles, (laughs) welcome back. Thank you for being here as well. And last but not least, producer of the show, Matthew Kadish. Welcome, sir. Can't wait to talk about today's episode. All right. So real quick, guys, in the chat, this is how this is going to happen. We're going to do a quick synopsis, a little bit shorter than we did last week, and just kind of give us the uh, the bullet points for the episode. And then we're going to go ahead and discuss it. Full spoiler. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, I would suggest go watching it before you check this review out. And uh, thank you for joining us as always. And last but not least, I want to remind you, if you do drop a super chat, which we really do appreciate the support, uh, we will be doing a segment at the end of this uh, live stream for just super chat. So we're going to star them, we're going to save them, and we're going to give you all of our attention at the end of this show uh, so that you guys can get your money's worth. Uh, we really do appreciate the support. So if you can drop us a dime, we'd love to hear from you in the chat. All right, so I have a really quick synopsis for this episode, and then we can dive into it and have a great time chatting about it. This episode's name is The Rogue Prince. It takes place about six months past the death of Queen Emma. And uh, the synopsis goes like this The crab feeder kills some more of Valerian's men. Uh, Varys, uh, Viserys gets an offer to marry a 12 year old, and he tells everybody, or everybody tells him that's a great idea, but he's not a complete creep, so he says no. Damon steals an egg, and Viserys almost does something about it uh Rhaenerys shows everyone what girl power can really do that's it that's the synopsis for this episode wow you should have uh, let you do that <laughs> wow man
3: i'm gonna i'm gonna just pick my battles <laughs> <Hashtag> girl boss
0: <laughs> yeah um okay so i i'm just gonna get my salt out of the way this is the only thing i kind of was a little bit like oh, i wonder if they're gonna be able to kind of play this game with uh with this main character, she's the main character of the show she's supposed to be the you know she's growing into the strong female character she she is the soon to be queen or the possible queen and i what i want to see from the character is a little bit of hesitation a little bit she's a young girl i feel like she needs to have a little bit of like a reservation about what she's doing i love the fact that she did some of the things that she did in the episode um, but i just i was like she's a little bit too sure of herself i think and I, for that character's age and for the situation that she's in and for how she was raised, I feel like something needs to be there to show that she's like not just full bore 100%. I know what I'm doing. I'm the freaking boss. I'm going to do all this shit and get it done. I feel like her character would be more well rounded if she had a little bit of hesitation about some of these decisions. What do you guys think? Am I being a dick about this?
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, 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 it has been established. Alex, that uh, you hate children. You hate smart hate children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you hate any kind of show that has uh, a strong uh, child or young teenager lead in it. And uh, me personally, I think she's awesome. I, okay. I love her character. I think she's strong. I think she's way smarter than um, um, everybody on this show takes her for. Um, in, in a weird way, she reminds me of my oldest granddaughter. Mm. who sits here and i can see her mentally taking over the world and she's only 10 okay okay um i like her and and i and i think you're misreading her um but but
0: i haven't read the books so i don't know (laughs) Jude, go ahead. You can respond. Speaking
3: of strong women. Um...
0: <laughs> As she raises her hand to talk.
3: <laughs> Please, sir. May I have an opinion, sir? Um, So just a little bit of backstory without any spoilers from the books. Like there are many um, sitters on the throne that uh, it's, it's kind of like either there are weak king or they're a strong king or they're like way too strong king and I think they're trying to set the stage for Viserys being a wishy-washy king this is not the Mm -hmm. first time we've seen this happen Mm -hmm. and in the first episode we saw that Rhaenyra not Rhaenyra's by the way Rhaenyra (laughs) um, was like all I want to do is ride my dragon into battles and be cool and do that shit but Mm -hmm. I can't because I'm not a girl or not a boy. Um, so we got a little bit of that anyway. And plus, she's been trained her whole life about, like, uh, like the kingdom. She, she's she been a princess her whole life, whether she was the heir or not. She's well-versed in 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 what's going on. Plus, she's the king's cupbearer. She's in every single um, council meeting. Mm-hmm. So she does know what's going on. She, okay. Has she been trained to fight? No, she wasn't allowed to train to fight. But she's a dragon ry- rider. Immediately, she's a badass. Not everyone is a dragon rider. She mm-hmm. is. I,
2: I also want to point out that in the first episode, they kind of set up that um, Rhaenyra, um is that how you pronounce it? R- Rhaenyra? Yes. 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 Okay. Good job. Good so, <laughs> job. So, so Rainira, you know, she's in the, the Godswood with Alicent, and, and she's kind of like not taking her studies seriously, but the minute Alicent calls her on it, she just fires off like oh like you know this 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 and that to show like how intelligent she was Mm -hmm. but because like she didn't really have any future like she just didn't care but now that she's been named the heir to the throne um she's kind of like like um asserting herself a little bit more and um and we see that in this episode and and people are kind of like well we appreciate that you're the heir now but we don't want anything to change but and she's like but things have changed And now, like I'm trying to show, like how good of a leader I can be, because she actually has some skin in the game now. Yeah. So I think that 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 that's kind of like the difference with this episode is that, Renera's per Renera is that right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Her perception. (laughs) Her her perception of her role has changed, Mm -hmm. and that's why she's able to do these things that she's confident about.
4: I thought that. Yeah, I thought I actually liked her way more in this episode than I did the first episode. Um, I like the fact because one, we have to remember it's been six months. So there's been change. She's been the cupbearer in these meetings for those six months. Um, I like the fact that like this show, how they did it. If you're going to girl boss, this was how to girl boss, because it made sense that people were worried about, oh, we don't want to offend this house. We don't want to offend Seaguard and the Malisters of Seaguard. And she's just like, dude, my dad should have a Kingsguard. That mm-hmm. knows how to fight. Yeah. And again, the person she chose, good choice. Yes. Um. But, but I really, it, you know, and, for, and it also, it sets the stage for, you know, other stuff. But the thing is, is that I really liked how she asserted herself in ways that made sense. And she, again, while people don't want things to change, she realizes that I have to show myself. I have to prove myself. Obviously, if she was a boy, people would be like, "Bravo, bravo!" But mm-hmm. and I liked even the conversation she had, the kind of conflict with Rainie's. And I think That's on one the queen thing, who never was. Yes, sorry, Rhaenice. Um, And interestingly enough, just a real thing about Rainie's: the significance of the name. That was actually one of Aegon, the Conqueror's sister wives. It yes. was also one of Rhaegar, it was Rhaegar's daughter. So there's been three major nieces that we've seen in the Targaryen line. That's not a spoiler, that's no. anyway, known. Anyway. Um, it is known. It is known, it is <laughs> known, I know. Um, and another thing I also noticed about another indication about how weak Viserys is, if you notice, every Targaryen in the show has a dragon except for him. He mm. had Balerian, Balerian's dead. He has not chosen a new dragon. That just shows how weak he is, how exposed that he doesn't have a dragon yet. He has not chosen a new dragon. Mm. Um,
3: and dude, that throne is rejecting him.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Before, and, and one oh, more oh sorry, yeah, go, one more note. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I loved I don't can we talk about the latter part of the, the Damon, her and Damon stuff later in the episode. Uh,
0: let's hold off on that because there's something i want to talk about first okay okay um so there's a there's a a great council or a small council meeting um in the beginning of this episode where uh the sea snake comes in he's pissed because like this crab feeder dude is just like wreaking havoc on the step stones and talking about the weakness of this king like he comes in, you know, the, the sea snake comes in there like wanting to freaking like throw down. Like, I've got to go down there. I've got to defend my land. I've got to defend my men. Like, this is, we can't let this happen. And he's like, well, I don't want to go to war. It's fine for now. We called some people. Like, it's that type of thing that just shows his weakness. And then what I liked, I did like about this, this one scene is that um the princess comes in and she's like, uh, why don't I just take a dragon down there and just fricking lay waste to this place and like put, you know, put our foot down. And I thought the reaction of the council was pretty ridiculous. Like they were like, Oh, you, Oh, you girl, stop it. Like, I just want to talk about that council meeting. So if you guys had any other thoughts about that, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was great politicking. I liked the, uh, the show of weakness from the King with the versus the show of strength from the sea snake. So any other, any other thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, yeah I thought Go that ahead, um I really thought um it's unfortunate that somebody else had to remind to see Snake of his place instead of the king having to do it first. Mm-hmm. You know, like the king should have been oh, like Otto, says, yeah. Yeah, like Otto had to do it first, and it's just like it should have just taken a look and it should have shut him down. But at yeah. the same time. The king should have like, hey, this is, you know, regardless of just the sea snakes interest in his wealth, obviously, he'd be pissed about that. But mm-hmm. obviously, this is a th- this looks bad. And, yeah. you know, dragonless Viserys is not doing anything. And mm-hmm. there's a way that he could take care <clears> of this. So it is another sign of him just being wishy washy and just want to keep the peace And it. I understand him wanting to be the peace, but it's just like, dude there can be no peace without justice in certain areas. And yeah, I think that he, you know, again, he's weak. So Mm-mm. I have
1: a question. Yeah, go ahead. Um, this crab feeder person. Yeah. Somebody, somebody explained him to me. So, so
2: I, can go I ahead. take that one? Yeah, go ahead. Katie. All right. So basically in the the first episode, they they set up that there's this um, uh, triarchy, which are the, the three biggest free cities of, you know, the Eastern continent. And they're in a Cold War with Westeros where they're secretly funding um, a pirate army uh, in the Stepstones area. And the crab feeder is like the pirate king. He's like the guy who's leading this fleet that's being secretly funded by the Triarchy. And basically what he does is he captures ships that are trying to make it through the trade routes of the Stepstones. And then he like... um, kind of crucifies them on the beaches and lets the crabs like eat the people and stuff like that as like a warning. It's like you either pay our tolls or like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna just mm-hmm. dis- destroy you. Okay. And what's interesting about this small council is that so you have a lot of different things going on that are very subtextual. Um, that might not be apparent in this episode, but I'm sure like kind of will, will come to the forefront in future episodes, where basically Lord Corliss, his fortunes are directly tied to um, sea trade. Like his house is rich because of like them being able to run these trade routes. And so the triarchy's um, kind of interference in the stepstones directly affects his wealth. So he's very invested in stopping, you know, whatever's going on down there. Now, when it comes to the King and um, Lord Hightower, they have other concerns in the sense that they, they know that the the free cities are kind of financing this thing and the iron bank of bravos which is like you know one of the big financial institutions on the, on the eastern continent um loans them money right mm-hmm. so like they can't go to war with like the people that they're getting their funding from directly you know mm-hmm. so so there, there's a lot of little things in there and so they're trying to slow play uh, lord corliss by saying like oh we're, we're going the diplomatic route we're, <clears throat> we're trying to figure out the best way to go about doing this and when um uh, renera suggest like why don't we just send dragons down there it's that's the very obvious solution to like fix the problem but but the king and the hand both know that by doing that they're going to piss off all their creditors Mm -hmm. um because they're the ones who are funding this thing and so like there's there's things that renera doesn't know about that the king and the hand are taking into consideration when they're dealing with these issues and you know so like Everyone in that scene is right to some degree uh, Mm -hmm. about how to handle the situation, which is what makes this show so interesting is because Mm -hmm. there's there's never a black and white answer. It's always a shade of gray. Mm -hmm. So that's what I liked about these these small council scenes is like there's always multiple things going on if you take the time to really sit there and think about it right Mm -hmm. and then um jude go ahead just and
3: just to give you a little bit more background like when aegon first uh conquered and westeros became under like one kingdom basically it's only been i'm not exactly sure but maybe a hundred years since that happened okay um and um like just the weakness of viserys when uh corliss comes in and he's like coming in like hot like you don't come at your king like that Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. like when Viserys inherited th- in th- in inherited the throne, the king before him, Jaeharris, was the one that repaired the kingdom. Yes. And Jaeharris had his his work cut out for him because prior to him inheriting the throne, uh, the king before him, uh, Magar, mm-hmm. destroyed <laughs> everything, and the kingdom was like broke and and barren and war torn. And Jaeharris is the one that repaired everything. And all Viserys has had to do is basically nothing his entire <laughs> reign. So he's babysit. not caught out to handle like yeah. really any, any kind of conflict.
0: And he's only so been he's only been on the throne for like nine or ten years, right? Like yeah. ten years at this point. Okay. Yeah. And
4: another and another thing to, yeah, like to add to her point, Jaharis built roads, he reestablished a relationship with the faith. Uh the only thing Magor did other than you know create the Red Keep at Magor's Holdfast is just like he, the term Magor's teeth comes from him. Uh, but um <laughs> but going just about just a little, a little slight backstory on the three cities. They were, with the exception of Bravos, which was built in secret, it's called the Secret City. Um, the other eight used to be actual colonies to the Valerian freehold. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why if you see like anyone who's from Lease or some of the free cities that kind of look has these Valerian features, it's because there was a lot of intermarriages between the freehold and then these free cities, um, so that's why Bravos is like they've never been conquered. That's why Bravos has this reputation, and it's also kind of built differently from the other free cities, the other eight free cities. So, mm.
0: all right. The, the next thing I want to talk about, we kind of touched on already, but uh, the choosing of the new Kingsguard uh, by the princess. This was a really <laughs> fun scene, and one of the things I really—this is a stupid thing to like—but I was watching the scene, and I loved how. Again, this is going to sound stupid, but I love how bright and colorful everybody's uniforms and and armor was. I just thought that was a really nice touch visually to kind of separate them from each other. Like, Like old Game of Thrones, the original show, like everything was kind of muted. You know, there was like house sigils and stuff like that, but their armor wasn't like very noticeably different unless you were like specifically like a main character. Um, but I, I just love the note. Like when she looks over the balcony and she looks down at all the nights. I'm like, oh, that's this house and that's this house. I just, I love that visual communication that this show did with us. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on on the choosing of a new Kingsguard? So much. Go ahead, Jude.
3: Okay, so I, I'm gonna go book again. Sorry for anyone who doesn't want to hear about the book. You're gonna have to. Um, so uh, originally, the Kingsguard was chosen because Agar's wife, who was also his sister, Agar. Uh, What did I say? Agar. Agarn. Oh, sorry. Aegon's wife, uh, Visenya, um, said that, like, basically, basically, this, this city watch wasn't good enough. And he was like, What? They're here to protect me. And she took, uh, I think it was a dagger, and she sliced him. And she was like, I could have killed you just then. You need a king's guard. And that's how the king's guard was made, because they had to be, like, around and ready for fucking battle at any time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, like, his hand wants to, like, Just be like, oh, well, we want to make nice with them and they're a very important family. Like, that's all fucking wrong. It should be people who know how to battle and who are ready for it. So Rhaenyra made a right call.
4: Yeah. And another thing, too, um, adding to, jumping off her point, First and foremost, the thing that it's funny and it's great. Charles
3: and I are going to start our own channel.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I know that one, long. Of the, <laughs> one of the big issues that George R. R. Merton had with the original Game of Thrones series is how the knights never wore helmets. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't blame them for that. I get that you can't see their face, but it's just mm-hmm. like, you got to make it look like, Hey, this is actual combat. They're going to protect their head. So they show these guys wearing their helmets when it's necessary, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And I love the fact that you could see, the sigils of all these people and yeah. to add to her point about the senya in Aegon it wasn't even just that she said hey I can slash you during their battles with Dorne because it took cent- like decades cent- centuries for Dorne to finally truly become one of the seven kingdoms mm-hmm. at one point the Dornish sent assassins and they attacked Aegon the Conqueror, in the streets, and it was because of Visenya. Visenya saved his life because mm-hmm. she had a dark sister with her. So that was part of the impetus that, hey, we need a Kingsguard. So mm-hmm. I really like what Rainier, you know, granted, Rhaenyra's, um naivety when it comes to all the politics and stuff is actually a good thing because she's looking at things from a fresher and sometimes yeah. better Very common
0: sense. time, Very common sense.
4: Like, hey, this guy actually has battle. And what's great, and again, this is just I love what they're doing so far where it's just like, we're seeing this this girl be a strong female leader, but we're showing, not just telling, telling us how great she is. Mm-hmm. It's like, she saw Kristen Cole beat her uncle in combat. And so now it's kind of like, oh, there's a connection. He asked yeah. for her favor. Now it's like, she sees that, she recognizes them. She doesn't know these other guys. And she finds out they're just turning knights. So it made a lot more sense that oh okay i've seen this guy fight he's actually had com- he's actually had combat experience he should be protecting my dad mm-hmm. so i like it okay just go ahead
2: yeah so one of the things i'm really liking about house of the dragons compared to game of thrones is that in the books george r r martin kind of goes into detail about like everyone's armor right and different factions have like different styles of armor, uh, most notably the Kingsguard in the books, like their armor is kind of like enameled in white. And so like their armor's white, their cloaks are white, and uh, they're supposed to have a very distinct look to them. And when they were doing the original Game of Thrones series, they were like, oh, we can't figure out how to turn armor white, so we're just going to have them wear armor with like a white cloak Mm -hmm. and and they did that throughout like the entire series Where basically like the Lannisters with their weird like face masks and stuff and and the the gold cloaks like like nothing in the original Game of Thrones series looked like it was described in the books which really bothered me and with this series somehow they magically figured out how to do CGI for dragons and how to like make plastic armor that looks like metal so like they can have like (laughs) different colors and stuff like that um, but but regardless, like the armor that is being shown in, in this series is, is a lot more authentic to the books because it mm. feels like actual like fantasy armor and the, the, the Kingsguard actually has white armor. The gold cloaks actually have gold cloaks, you know, like, like th- there's a lot of stuff going on in the production design of the show that's so much more accurate to the books, which as a book fan, I really appreciate. Now in this scene with uh, Rhaenyra, Kind of choosing the Kingsguard. It's kind of funny because she's she's sent there to get her out of the Small Council, right? It's it's kind of like, oh, little girl, go go play mm-hmm. with the knights type thing. Uh, but um, Otto Hightower still takes the time to go there to kind of like check up on her and make sure that she's making the quote unquote right decision. <laughs> and it, it shows the the real contrast between what's going to be the central conflict of the show where you have like the High Towers who are very politically minded and then you have uh the Targaryens who are very much like pragmatic in, in a lot of their decisions um and and so like the the conflict here between Hightower and Renera is that Renera is like I want a Kingsguard who knows how to fight mm-hmm. and Otto's like well we should use this as a bargaining chip to strengthen our political position and and so it's kind of interesting because, again, this is a situation where if you know what happens in the books, this decision by Renera um, might not be the wisest one. You know, it might have been Otto who was correct in in his counsel in in this situation. But then again, that's the beauty of Game of Thrones is like there's never really a right decision because everything that you do, whether you're a good person or a bad person, can come back and bite you in the butt. Yeah.
3: So you either win v- or you die.
2: V, did you have something you wanted to add?
0: um i don't remember
3: i did want to comment
1: um there has been some um discussion some criticism about some of the armor and the shortcuts and stuff they're using on the show because they are doing things like having these guys wear um chain mail t-shirts and shit underneath their armor to wear to, to, to cut corners on on their uh Costuming mm. and everything, and you and they're out there. If you go out and find them, they're actually really apparent when once you see them. So, um but yeah, your your uh, comment about how you can tell each uh house by their plumage, I guess is the best word to use. <laughs> um, is is very interesting, and I I did notice that last night when we were when I was watching this episode. Yeah. And it was it was pretty cool. So, Lord
3: uh, Peacock, first of his name.
4: <laughs> yes. And, 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 and one more quick note. And it's funny, like, in this episode, in many ways, you can see how Rhaenyra is very similar to Damon, but she's taking a much... Smart... The problem with Damon is that he's too irrational at times and too <laughs> hot headed Even when he's right, he's still wrong. Whereas Rhaenyra, even though, you know, she's ruffling Otto's feathers, she's doing it in a much smarter way. Where yeah. it's like, hey, I'm getting results and I'm not causing a lot of bloodshed. I'm not as messy as Damon. I'm clearly the better heir, even though I'm a woman. so I, uh,
1: that's, that's why that's why I, I like Damon because he's he suffers from the same kind of thing that I'd have, which is um <laughs> um I let my emotions speak for me before I think about the ramifications of what I say. you, you know, uh, and the 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 vomit that comes out of my mouth sometimes, especially when I was growing up, has gotten me in so much trouble and i and I just see the same kind of thing with him. He's a hothead. Yes. Yes. Also, you know, I—that's why I like him. So,
3: okay. also, <laughs> Damon has a history of like fuck around and find out. He's—he's he's a mm-hmm. man. He's allowed. No, i, I mean, I mean You're it. Right. He's a man. He's allowed to just like go in and fuck up and and learn from his mistakes. Renner is a woman. She's not allowed to like make decisions and be wrong. So that's why she's mm-hmm. she's very like, um, pre- like precise in uh what she's about to do like she stops and she thinks about it because if she fucks up she really fucks up she doesn't get the leeway that Damon does
0: yeah Yeah. it's true so this episode takes the time to kind of explore two different relationships between alicent and king viserys and alicent and uh princess renera um, And I wanted to talk about those two scenes together because they kind of are in the same spot. Like Allison is shown hanging out with the king, kind of like helping him through his grieving process and they're becoming closer and it's less like in the first episode, it was shown to be a little bit creepy, especially because Otto was like pushing her to do it. And she didn't really want to. In this episode, it's showing that uh, the king has a soft spot and he's kind of been pretty nice to Allison and he's not like creeping on her in a weird way um, yet, I guess. And... Uh, it was just a, it was an interesting scene where they kind of like get to know each other a little bit better. And then Allison immediately goes to his daughter and goes and helps her through her mourning process and goes down to the steps and they pray and they talk about their feelings and stuff like that. I just thought that the episode took their time a lot with these two relationships. And I was wondering mm-hmm. what, you, what kind of thoughts you guys had on, on this uh, just Charles, Charles, we can, we can start with you if you want. Oh, sure.
4: Yeah. So I think that, <laughs> I think that um I like the it's it you're right, I agree. If it, it was the Allison Viserys relationship was a lot less creepy in this one. It felt a little more natural. And what I liked is they showed how that relationship she was. She's still a little hesitant, but I think she was a little more I need to use my words wisely because she's fit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but um she was a lot more relaxed around him this time around. And you mm-hmm. saw his ease with her compared to when he was talking to a twelve-year-old who was mm-hmm. reciting what dad told her to. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad Super they played, I'm glad they played that as weird too. Um, but um, and then I like that they reminded us of that bond between Allison and Rhaenyra, so that when her dad was like, "I'm going to marry Allison," and she yeah. was just. Like, oh you did what
3: <laughs> <laughs> and especially
4: yeah. how they had earlier in their episode where she basically I think I forgot what it was where he said like I think Viserys asked like you don't do you I, I don't know if it was Viserys asked her or somebody asked like you're not telling Otto about this right like our conversations so or oh no that's it you're not telling Renira about our right. conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I thought that oh, I thought that mm-hmm. was so smart because she's keeping that from her friend, and initially, Ranier doesn't think anything of it because she's just like oh, she's just you know being there for my dad, and so now she's just like probably what has been going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've been you've been sneaking to my dad, and so she it, like it's a betrayal, and yeah, that's all. I'll say. Oh, like, you I, uh,
3: you could yeah. see the you played me on Ranera's face when yeah. that happens yeah. later. But we'll yeah. talk about it later. Go yeah, ahead,
4: via. Go, 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 go ahead. I, yeah.
1: I'm trying to figure out your guys' take on this a little bit because from the very get-go, from the very beginning, um, Otto uh, Otto Hightower is a manipulative snake. Mm -hmm. And he is purposely throwing his attractive, hot, cute daughter into the king's chamber to do nothing but seduce him because he's playing a long game. And his daughter is playing right along with him, whether she's comfortable with it or not. You, you know, it, it, yeah. That you know, the Game of Thrones is what this is. Hightower is playing a game for power, and it's very apparent. And I haven't trusted him from the moment we met. The he's he's got the look. He's got a look in his eyes <laughs> in that he's a, that that he's a manipulative <laughs> shrew. He's, shit.
3: He's
1: and a lizard. He's you know you know, and his daughter Alice, sent, You know, she very much reminds me of uh what was the girl. The, the the king's,
3: Marjorie.
4: Oh, Marjorie Terrell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm getting.
1: I think I'm getting vibes of her from, mm. from the last. So show. you think she's in on it? So absolutely, she's absolutely, she's absolutely okay. in on it. She's hundred okay. percent in on it. I, I, and I feel like if she's I'm kind if, of if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But the she, they're playing it the way, but she's in on this game. You know who okay. who what fifteen year old girl in whatever fictional universe is going to go. Start macking on your best friend's dad. <laughs> it's okay. It's fucking weird. Okay. It's just weird. And I, it, it's, it's, and it's just, it okay. is what it
0: is. Right, I'm going to go to Jude so. after this. So I go, go ahead, Jude. You I mean, like I'm, do,
3: I'm just going to say like in this world, women are, they have jobs to do that are it. given to them by their fathers.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Neither of these girls have mothers now to guide them. The only people directing them are their fathers. Hmm. That's all she has to go on. What's she going to do? Say no and end up in a prison cell?
0: Or nunnery. A nunnery. A yeah, nunnery, yeah. She's going to be a silent sister. Yeah, <laughs>
3: she's going to be a septon. <laughs> yeah. she, she could be the queen or she could be a septon. Yeah. A septa.
2: Uh, Kate, does she have anything to add? Yeah, so I have a different view of Alicent, at, at least at this stage, because... I think she knows what her father expects of her mm-hmm. but she never really crosses that line basically she's just there because she can empathize with the king's uh, grief mm-hmm. and the, the king picks up on the fact that like she's not there to manipulate him she's not there to do anything other than to like help him through this tough time and at this point renera and the king are are kind of they haven't talked for six months because like of the, the death of the queen and mm-hmm. they're kind of estranged from one another. And so um, you, you see at the beginning of this episode is that that um, Alison's actually trying to bridge that gap and, and bring them back together where she's like, mm-hmm. she tells Rhaenyra, you know, sometimes, you know, fathers don't speak the language of, of women. And so like, if you want to talk to them, you have to initiate it. And she says the same thing to, uh to the King where she's like, she's like, you know, just if you go to your daughter, she will, you know, talk to you, and, and so like I, I feel like she's trying to be a good person. She's like the Eddard Stark in this situation, mm-hmm. and the the politics in her orbit basically end up corrupting her her goodness mm-hmm. uh, because there are all these people who are using her as a pawn in the in the larger chess game.
4: Okay, Charles, and then and then Jude, go ahead. And, and another thing too is like going to go a Jude, piggybacking on Jude's point. In this world, as a woman, like, again, she didn't really have much of a choice here. And I think one of the reasons why she's used to it is because, like, and and another reason why Viserys didn't see any foul play here is that this was the girl who basically eased the last years of his grandfather when he was the king those last two years and so again it's not like she has a choice it's not like she's like oh yeah daddy
2: i'm willing to do it it's like no she's,
4: <laughs> you can tell she was kind of weirded out by the whole thing especially when he said yeah. wear your
2: mother's dress she was like ah you and know she's like pick, picking at her fingernails constantly yeah <laughs> yeah so
4: i i think that um she honestly has good good intentions particularly like what um you guys said where she's trying to bridge the grab she's saying like hey you kind of need to initiate with your dad you know and she's taught you know they're She's she is trying to bridge a gap, and I think she honestly has good intentions. But yes, it's like she's being used as a pawn by her dad to gain power and to get keep yeah. access to the king in a very intimate, just kind of very ew, gross way, like intimate way to kind of have that power and that way. And, and here's the thing: there's no doubt in my mind that after she meets with the king, she's going directly to her dad. He's asking her, "So what do you say? What do you guys talking mm-hmm. about?" So it's like she's kind of. Unfortunately, as many women in this world in this time period, they don't have a choice. That's just yeah. their role that they have to play. In order to, that's how they wield power. That's the only way they can wield power is in those little avenues that they give. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I wish
1: they would do, and maybe they do it better in the books or something. But I want to know more about the relationship between the king and Otto. Why is Otto High Tower the king's hand? Because. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but in in from what I've gathered, you you know the king's hand is like the king's most trusted advisor and like best friend and somebody he went to war with, you, you know, in, in in their past. And I, I don't think Otto Hightower. I think he he's looking after the king. But man, this dude's got ambition. He wants. Oh yeah, he has the power. He wants the power. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm, disc- I'm really curious about what their history together is and why he is the hand. So maybe you guys can because he was Jaharris's hand. Yeah. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Does that he's like, he's is, like is, so that a, is that an inherited position? <laughs> I thought <laughs> literally, literally in? grandfathered in. That's what he. Yeah, I
3: mean. <laughs> We've said it before, Viserys is is weak. He doesn't make his own choices. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. make his own decisions. Mm. And Otto was the hand to the last king. So he was like, yeah, I guess I'll just, I'll have you uh, advise me too, because you did a good job with him.
4: Yeah. yeah. And also, another quick note. I just, no. I just uh-huh. wanted to say, um,
3: okay. Alicent has no power of her own. No. So she is there at her father's behest. But I, I think that everything that happens between her and the king is actually sincere.
4: Yes. And another quick thing I almost forgot is that okay. I forgot the actual age, but I think it's like in this time period in this world, when a girl is, has had their period, then they're considered a woman. Right. So that's mm-hmm. why it's less creepy that he's like, I want to marry 15 year old Allison because she's actually had her period. So it's, it's gross, but it's yeah. like, that's just how it is. It's now.
3: actually not better, but. I know fine. it's not. It's so gross. It's so gross. So. So,
4: I mean,
1: f- 15 years old getting married. 100 100 years ago in our country 150 years ago wasn't unheard of or out of the norm it's just people didn't live as long and it was a different world but you know by today's standards that's it's creepy and weird and gross and the whole thing with the 12 year old daughter i about lost my mind that was one of the creepiest scenes I've, so what is one of oh, the creepiest non-creepy scenes I've ever seen in my life? So and just, then, and
3: then when woo. she says I won't have to bed you until I'm 14, I uh, was like, ah. uh,
4: so
0: I don't I don't want to dwell on this scene too long because it can yeah. it can get real dark real fast, and I don't want the conversation to go that direction. But sure. we do yeah. have to talk about it. So this scene. Uh, the Sea Snake and his wife, uh, Rainice, come to the king and say, hey, we have a proposition for you. Our families are both aligned with with, uh, you know, old Valerian and, and Targaryen blood and this dynasty and all that stuff. It would behoove you politically to marry mm-hmm. our eldest daughter, who happens to be 12, which is weird and gross. Um, but again, different time, fictional universe, whatever you want to say to kind of get past it is fine. We'll call it uh, promised. We'll promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I, I just want to say one thing I I appreciate that they didn't make the king out to be a complete creep and he was yeah. like well I I could I could raise you myself and turn you into my queen like he they never once showed on his face or in his intention to be like yeah you know this might be an okay, acceptable decision immediately he was like this is freaking weird and I'm not into this so I just I appreciated that they didn't make him out to be a total creep. Uh, well, any uh, any other. Go ahead. Yeah. Cares, can, I, can I chime in
2: on this uh, before yeah. Charles uh, uh, shares his insights? Um, so what, what's interesting about this part of the episode is that from a political point of view, marrying the 12-year-old is the correct way to go because y- you, you basically align yourself with a very powerful mm-hmm. house. Um, you have, uh, you know, like you can't better right away, but like you have like a girl who uh, in a couple years could start pumping out airs um so like we, he, we we see viserys uh go to all of his most trusted council mm-hmm. and every single one of them is, is like yes yeah. go for this this marriage and if you think about the original game of thrones because what happened in that series is that you have uh during robert's rebellion john aaron who was much older than viserys is in, in this you know in order to win uh lord hoster tully's river run uh, riverland armies he had to marry lisa who was like 12 years old at the time and oh. he was like 40 she was 12 mm-hmm. and but he had to do that if he wanted the political uh, alignment of the riverlands and so um you know in that situation that didn't turn out very well ultimately either uh but it was the smart political thing to do at the time and what we see here is is that Viserys. Like he's creeped out by the idea of marrying a twelve-year-old because She's just so young, and and he can see that. And he's still grieving the loss of his wife because he mm-hmm. really did love the queen. And so all this stuff just feels icky to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also you know Jude points out that he's a weak king, and so like his ultimate decision to marry um, Alicent is is the the wrong decision ultimately um, because he ends up uh, throwing his brother, a very powerful ally, and he also. Um, alienates his daughter a little bit Mm. so you know again this is one of those things where like there's no correct answer because like we we can see it from his point of view where it's like it's creepy to marry that 12 year old girl whose father was like basically grooming her to um tell him what he wanted to hear uh and so like uh, Viserys automatically was like oh he's trying to manipulate me you know um but at the same time from a from a political point of view it was absolutely the right thing to do so Okay, Uh, Jude,
0: go ahead. Last thought for Jude, and then we got to move on to the
2: next segment. So go ahead. Well, well, uh, Charles, too, real quick. Okay. So
4: yeah, and and it was kind of it was interesting because you saw both Viserys and um, Viserys and Rhaenyra make very important decisions that made sense in the short term, but we'll see if how they do long term. And I think it was interesting where where Rhaenyra's was more cut and dry in terms of how it was. I think. On one vein, even though Viserys is a weak king, it kind of showed that, okay, he's not a bad person. And I think mm-hmm. that you, you can see the avenues in terms of how it was played. I think had had um, Corliss I, I, Corlys, is it Corlys? We'll just call it Basically, I, <laughs> I think that um, what happened is if Corliss had played his cards better and not been so aggressive, I wouldn't have been surprised if Viserys had gone that route, but I think it was just, he came in so hard. His daughter was just basically pup- being puppeteered in terms of what to say. The whole thing just kind of just squeaked him out and it squeaked everyone out. So, and you saw just his true warm relationship and rapport with uh, Alicent. It made sense. And yeah, he did make the, it was the wrong choice in terms of alienating Corliss. And giving Otto more power, but it just like it's also again how you play the Game of Thrones. And yeah. Otto played it so much better than Corlys did. Even though corliss had the power, he there's took, a reason why Otto.
0: Oh. Yeah, he took more subtle action. Yes, before he did six months yes. before. Yeah, <laughs> literally, he laid the um, groundwork. Yeah. So
3: yeah, and, Jude, and Jude wh- go ahead. What Viserys should have done in the first place was marry his daughter to Daemon. Problem solved.
4: Yes.
1: Wait, what? Okay. What? Is, what? <laughs> who married, Who should have married who?
3: He should have married his daughter Ranira, to Daemon, and then that would have we wouldn't have even had this problem.
1: Uncle niece, gross. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, Aegon
3: married two of his sisters. It's the Targaryen way. Yeah.
0: Speaking of Damon, uh, the next big thing. This is my favorite segment of the show that we watched last night. Uh, the the whole egg stealing, Damon kind of doing the standoff with mm-hmm. Otto. This whole scene was freaking so cool. I mm-hmm. love the politicking. I love the, you know, the dick swinging of these two guys. Like on on that bridge, they were just throwing insults at each other. And, uh, it was, it was a really cool scene. And then again, visually, cause I'm a freaking nerd and I love dragons like that scene where the dragon comes underneath the clouds and pops up and it's like, here's my stance. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the situation. Cause nobody else, none of you men can handle it. I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. I love this scene. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, let's start with uh, Jude. Go ahead.
3: Oh, uh, I thought it was really fun. I knew Damon was lying about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I liked like the the tete a tete between um Damon and Otto, but what I really loved was uh Rhaenyra coming in swinging her big dick, and and just like walking through all of the guard and just yeah. being like, I'm here to squash this. Mm-hmm. Loved it.
0: I loved it too. Uh, v, and then he turns buddy?
3: around and throws that egg at her. Over yeah. her shoulder. Oh yeah. Fucking well, bad. Never, he never Looking gave a bad. shit about the
0: egg. He never gave a shit about it. It was just a, He's like he was that's just...
3: my egg. That's yeah. My castle. Yeah, but I'm gonna walk away. I'm I'm gonna choose my battles too.
0: <laughs> uh, v, go ahead. What do you think about this whole scene?
1: Uh, I'm I'm with you. I think it was one of the the, the best scenes of the uh, the show. Um, y- you know, this show is basically a uh, it's Days of Our Lives on uh, <laughs> st- on steroids, <laughs> right? Um, yes. I mean, there's there's a reason uh, housewives and 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 ladies and women like this stuff because it is it's a soap opera right it, it is it stays of our lives turned up to 11 right with with, with dragons and swords and that's exactly that's the what this is turns. It, well yeah that's the dragon
3: turns.
1: yeah exactly
3: oh ladies and, um, love them but you two seem to know a lot about them yeah
1: yeah and um so was game of thrones so was the last show It's these are soap operas with with fantasy elements and that's why they're so popular that's why these things break out of the nerd um the nerd window and and they 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 have 20 million people that watch them in the first week that's out um that being said um i watch these shows not just for that but i i like the dragon stuff i like this this scene with the dragons coming in to dragonstone and stuff and and the confrontation between the uncle and and his niece and it was awesome it was really good and 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 it really set the tones for these characters i was a little disappointed in damon on this i'm not gonna lie Oh, she called his glove. Cuz she he was he was he got bitched. Mm-hmm. He got slapped like a little bitch. And and by a 15-year-old girl. And um <laughs> it was good. It was good. Her dragon flying in, landing there like a boss, you know. Her yeah. walking I, I like- through and, and 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 the soldiers whoop, parted part of the sea. You, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And she's like, "This is my house. You're here <laughs> at my pleasure and um quit fucking around and give yeah. me my egg." And that was it. Yeah, it was basically a whole scene. And it was was really good.
0: Before we go to Charles, um, I just wanted to say that uh Damon's dragon, like the the sound that it made, the sound design behind it was so much different than any of the other dragons that we've heard so far. And the look of it, like Jude mentioned last week how different they all look and how colorful they are. This one, like this bright red, freaking snake-looking dragon with the two horns, Mm -hmm. badass looking. Mm -hmm. Uh Charles, go ahead, buddy.
4: I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought um and honestly, other than Viserys himself, and actually, I don't even know if Viserys would have been able to fully defuse it. Rhaenyra was the only one who could really do that because yeah. obviously he's not going to hurt her.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, there's
4: no way he'd do that. And just like she was the only one to diffuse it. I loved the shots. I loved how they kind of did that background where you saw, you saw Syrax and you saw Caraxes, that's Daemon's dragon, mm-hmm. kind of on their respective porches. Like I thought it was just so well done. I was definitely getting... Danny vibes in terms of when she kind of came in and kind of just, you know, girl like, again, it was mm-hmm. done so well. And mm-hmm. she was saying, honestly, it made sense that she was going to do that. She's the heir. That's her yeah. uncle. He's not going to hurt her. And most importantly, Dragonstone is hers by yeah, right. Yeah. It's not his. He's basically trespassing. So um, I really thought that, I, I really enjoyed the scene in many levels. And I love, you're, you're absolutely right, Matt, in terms of just, that's one of the things that People love whether it's a fantasy setting, mm-hmm. it's an oil field in a fictional Texas city from way back when, or
1: or, or, a, or a big farm in Montana. A big farm in, in Montana, shit.
4: it's the same shit. People love those yeah. dynastic dramas. These two families, or in Colorado, if we're going to talk about you know dynasty, people yeah. love these dynastic feuds. They love these very powerful people slinging delicious insults at each other. And hey, when you add dragons, it makes it even better. Yep. And I really <laughs> feel that that's, that that's really the drawing factor of this show. And it I, really encapsulated it so well. And I, I loved it. I thought the scene was great. So, okay. I really love the dynamic
1: of the relationship set up between Damon and uh Was that right? Yes. Um, they, set the, they set that up in the first <laughs> yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they have a relationship. They have... Uh, uh, a familial bond, a a like spirit. They're a, they're very like yeah, too. very much so. And yeah. putting those two together as rivals is is interesting. And I know that's yeah. kind of probably what this whole premise of this show is. But I, I like their
0: I like their at, I like their relationship. Yeah, I like y- I like y- that you she know, came in talking old Valyrian too when she walked yeah, up. Yeah, like, every time I they do that, love it cool. when
3: they speak Valyrian.
0: I love yeah. how they're
1: they're in, they're intersecting that into to the story because they only do it when they're trying to like make it so other people can't understand them. And it's it's cool how they do it. It It of it absolutely does,
2: yeah. Candace, you got anything to add? I do. So one of the things I really liked about, and it is the best scene in this episode. uh, One of the things I really liked about the portrayal of Dragonstone that they didn't quite do in the original Game of Thrones series is that Dragonstone is basically a very symbolic um, uh, seat it's on a volcano, a volcanic island. It, you can't really even though like there's lots of land there, you can't grow anything on it. Mm-hmm. and and because of the volcano nature of it Uh, It's constantly shrouded in mist. It's, it's very dreary. It's a very dreary place because Mm -hmm. of of all the mist. And in the original game of Thrones show, they didn't have any of that. It was just like, okay, here's an Island. Um, But they actually took the time in this episode, again, attention to detail and translating from the books to have dragonstone shrouded in mist. And that's one of the cool things. When Rhaenyra shows up, you see like the clouds, like move as like her dragon comes in. Um, But more than that, um, the best part of this scene, in my opinion, was when uh, um, Damon sees uh, Sir Kristen Cole, who's now a member of the King's Guard. Yes. And he's like and, and he's like, Oh, was it Sir Crispin, was it? And and Kristen Cole Cole's like, uh, you know, actually it's it's Kristen Cole, my prince. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, he's like, oh, I must have forgotten. He's like, you didn't forget when I knocked you off your horse, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's like,
3: you know who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah.
2: Like, like, and and it was funny because at that retort, Damon was like, oh, well played. You know, like yeah. like he had some respect for the guy. Because yeah. uh, not only can can he joust at the tourney, but he can joust.
4: Really <laughs> he can well- joust verbally.
2: Yeah. Ex- exactly. And um, but the the thing that really struck me about this scene is that so Damon. this was a fuck around and find out trap definitely Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. he basically he went he stole the egg uh he specifically knew that his brother would not come for it because he he just knows how it works and so it was a lure to get Otto Hightower out there and this scene more than anything shows just how bad of a hand Otto Hightower is because as he's as he's trying to do the diplomatic approach, I guess you'd call it. Um, You can see uh, Sir Harold Westerling, who's like the new commander of the Kingsguard, he's played by Grant McTavish. Um, The minute that Otto uh, falls for uh, um, Damon's uh, kind of like verbal traps, like -hmm. he he eggs him on, the minute that Otto falls for that, you just see uh, Harold Westerling's head like fall because he's like, (laughs) oh God. This is not going to go well. And these two Damon Damon specifically baited Otto to get him out there so he could embarrass him. Like he wanted mm-hmm. to send Otto because he knew Otto wasn't going to be able to do anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So like he wanted to send Otto back in disgrace as as a way to kind of like, you know, put him in his place and also kind of like dig at his brother a little bit. So this mm-hmm. was all just a game to, to Damon. You could see that playing out. And the minute that the dragon shows up, Otto knows, like, oh crap i screwed mm-hmm. up and this is one of those <laughs> this is one of those things that also shows how bad of a hand Otto actually is like he's very yeah. politically savvy but he also is very easily um kind of like insulted and baited because he's very proud and da- and damon knew this and it wasn't until renera showed up where <clears throat> she basically called his bluff and he was like okay well i've had my fun here's your mm-hmm. egg get yeah. out of here um so there were again a lot of stuff going on in the scene and it was definitely the best scene in the show right on jude go ahead
3: Okay. So, um, Damon was just trying to see how far he, how much he could get away with. And because Rhaenyra is so much like him, she knew exactly what she was, what he was doing. And she went toe to toe with him. Like when she shows up and she's like, do be sure not to upset my dragon. He's very protective of me. Yeah. Like she's going like toe to toe against Damon. Like, oh, you're going to show up with your dragon? My dragon's just as mean as yours.
4: Yeah. It was really cool. Um, so there's an, I have a, oh, go ahead, Charles. And I liked how they kind of set up a little earlier in the episode where granted it's exposition, I guess, you know, for a lot of people it's better than sex position, but they had Viserys talking about Dragonstone earlier in the episode and during one of his conversations with Allison. So Talk they kind of Vhagar. established, yes. Talking about, yes, 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 yes. So they're talking about Vagar, kind of where he is, but they're talking just a little about Dragonstone and the history and how it was on the volcano. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how they did keep the design of, the old, you know, what they established in Game of Thrones, but I like, yeah, I like the mess, but I, I like how they kind of set that up. So it's like when you get there, it kind of sets the stage for what's there and what's happening,
2: and you just kind of yeah.
0: So then immediately after this scene, uh, we get a little bit of exposition between Damon and his mistress that kind of spells out <laughs> the whole thing that he was completely bluffing the entire thing. They're not getting married. She's not pregnant. In fact, she can't get pregnant, and she's pissed because uh-huh. he was basically using her as a pawn to get a rise out of his brother mm-hmm. so I was, I was curious does anybody have any thought i don't have much to say about that i just like the dialogue i like that she was you know she kind of reacted the way she did she's not just along for the ride yeah she she's like you just around. put a
3: target on my head yeah mm-hmm. she's like
0: what the hell dude i came to you for safety and you just threw me freaking under the bus yeah. like, I don't, like I don't you know just... what
3: they're gonna do they're gonna kill me yeah <laughs> i actually
0: i
1: actually thought for a second that when they were having that discussion that he was just gonna like grab her by the back of the neck and throw her out the window. <laughs> 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 I, I really thought that was gonna happen because you know she's just a piece of ass. She's she's nothing to him.
2: You, you know he's not um,
4: Longshanks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, oh well, that didn't work. I'm done with you. I'll get another piece down so the So, I house I, and, I, yeah. I I do want
2: to point out that she can have children, but she doesn't want to have children. So like as as a as a prostitute, she's taken measures like moon tea and stuff like that to not get pregnant. Mm. But she 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 said in that scene um that, you know, she made the decision never to get pregnant because she doesn't want to have children. Mm-hmm. But right. she can she she can have have them and in fact oh, okay. that's something no spoilers but that's something that comes into play a little bit later on
0: oh okay i misunderstood well, she, what she said because she said something along the lines of like i've ensured that i couldn't have kids or I'm um, something like that i thought she, made, she, she had,
1: made a comment about about the curse of birthing or something like that about yeah you know because women die in childbirth in this world and you know who mm-hmm. uh who wants, who wants to go through that? To she also, that? She, she also <laughs> saw it as
4: a, I think she also saw it as a prison. She kind of mentioned yeah. that, like, I don't want to be imprisoned by that or something right. like that. That yeah. was kind of her mention, These yeah. damn kids are always up your ass all the time. <laughs> Tell <laughs> like, me about, about totally it. Kidding. <laughs> totally.
3: <laughs> Cue one of Alex's kids walking in right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, but, uh, but Lady Misery was looking pretty good in this episode. So. Yeah. Yeah,
0: she does. And I, I liked her uh, her accent, too. Do you guys remember? Um, she uh, yeah Shay with her weird like fake accent but then (laughs) this lady like she actually pulled it off in this episode this lady was really a great actress great scene Uh, I had a lot of fun with it it was it was nice dialogue and and it kind of made sense she's
4: she's a better actress than Shay um yeah but I think the thing is I I don't know if they I don't know if they mentioned this this isn't really a spoiler um because Missaria is I think she's lysine if I'm not mistaken so yeah. yeah so
0: Alright, so the aftermath of all this, once the dust settles and they all go back to the Red Keep, uh, the king makes the decision not to marry the sea snake's daughter the 12 year old girl but instead marry otto's daughter the 15 year old girl slightly better i guess um <laughs> which then completely throws everything uh to the to the sea just like he he's pissed off uh, the sea snake is pissed off he runs off and he goes and he goes and hangs out with damon is like let's team up mister because i hate your brother just as much as you do and uh, then we have this betrayal between Allison and uh rainera so it, it everything kind of falls apart at the end of this episode. Everybody, nobody's happy at the end of this episode, which I think is it's gonna set up a fun episode after this, which we kind of see the aftermath of all this. But what did you guys think about the ending of this episode and the weak king's uh, decision to not marry his uh, political friend?
1: Yeah, I, I need I need the book readers and Kadesh to explain the uh, the, the web of deceit that's going on here. So. <laughs> okay, I have
3: a, I have a cool. bone to pick all
4: right, because. Go ahead.
3: What the hell is Allison doing in a small council meeting? That was,
4: oh, what was she doing right. there? That's actually right, yeah.
3: As soon as they panned over to her, and she was like, whoa, that, <laughs> that was only for like the the scene to be like have Renera's reaction yeah. to her. But, like, oh, what was she doing right, there? Right, right. That's what I was going to say. She yeah. shouldn't yeah. have yeah. been That's there. That's a good
0: That's point. Good point. Yeah. I, w- I was
3: really annoyed about that that she was okay. even in there.
0: That's she, true. Yeah. Get the it's woman out of
3: the right. small council.
0: <laughs> That's almost. I wonder if the king told Otto beforehand bring her bring her along to to bring her along. Oh because uh, I'm going to make an announcement today and she needs to hear it. Like, I, I wonder if there's something... Well, then to-
3: why wasn't Rainera? like, what the hell are you doing here?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, Jude. Uh, so, Charles, did you have anything to add about this uh, ending of the episode?
4: I loved the messiness of it all. I love how everyone's kind of like, it seemed like certain things were going in the right direction. The Saras and Rhaenyra were kind of, you know, kind of smoothing things over. And then just this whole thing just blew a bomb. And I think that, I- again even though he made the a less creepy short-term decision, the long-term implications, particularly his relationship with Corliss Valerian,
0: mm-hmm. now that
4: relationship is in the crapper right now. And so now Corlys is going to Damon for help with the crab feeder. Um, I, I like, and, and it'll be curious to see where that goes, that situation, but I really like how we're seeing these strange bedfellows. You know, that's what makes the, again, that's what makes these soap operas so interesting is that, Enemy and my enemy is now my friend. And these strange alliances because, hey, I got reject- rebuffed here. I'm going to go for here for work. And especially, it makes sense given the fact that Damon has a lot of his gold cloaks with him. He has a force. So it's not like he's just there by himself, a man on an island. He has his horse. He has an axe to grind. He's not really doing much. His fuck around and find out left him embarrassed. So now, Somebody saying like, hey, not only do you get to kind of show up your brother, but you get to help me and you get to kind of do something. You get to be useful. So I really I dug how that ended. it will be curious to see, you know, the ramifications for Rhaenyra and Allison's relationship. And I completely agree with you, June. I didn't even think about that. Like why they only did that for that. They could have done there. There would have been a better way to do that. Yeah. Because um, there was no explanation as to why she was in the small council. Meeting. I was like, can uh,
3: anybody like, just come in here?
4: Yeah. It's like, it's <laughs> supposed to be sacrosanct. What's going on? Um, but yeah. but And I like, again, they set things in. The thing with the whole thing with the crab feeder and even just with Corliss's kind of ambitions. It's not just something that was just done for the episode. They set it up in in the first episode. They talked about Mm -hmm. the crab feeder and the triarchy kingdom of three daughters. They talked about that in the first episode. So Mm -hmm. this is a good continuation. So even though this episode is a lot more talky, there wasn't really as much action. It again, sets the stage very well. Mm -hmm. It's a great continuation of the first episode and it sets the stage for what we're going to see in the next episode and maybe further down the line. So I thought that that ending scene was
2: a great jump-off point, and it was a good kind of like, okay, what's going to happen next? So
0: yeah, okay, Just go ahead. What's your final thoughts on this episode?
2: So one of the things that I'm finding very interesting is kind of like the symbolism of the throne slowly killing the series. Uh, in the first episode, we had this wound on his back that wouldn't heal from sitting on the throne. And in the first episode, he cuts his finger on the throne. And in this episode, we see that that has um, basically turned into an infection. His oh, finger's wow. black. They mm-hmm. had to put put it in maggots to uh, to have him eat off all the dead flesh. I choose and, death. And, 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 and so li- little by little, we, we see that the throne is kind of rejecting Viserys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of these decisions that he makes like at the end of this episode. Because if you think about it, Okay, if you're going to go that direction, then betroth um, uh, uh, I forget her name, Renera, um, to Corliss's oldest son, so that you can, ha- you know, um, join the houses that way. So it's not as big of a blow. But instead, he, he makes these um, decisions, which morally might be right and best for him. But from a political <clears throat> point of view, they're wrong, because he basically thrusts um, Corliss into an alliance with his brother, who has a, who has a claim to the throne as well. And so there's a lot of stuff going on here that um, that just shows like how bad of a political ruler the series is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and you know like he's, he, he he's setting the stage for like his own family's downfall with all the all these decisions. And it's very interesting to kind of see them like set all this stuff up, especially if you're a book reader and you know uh, you know what's in store for uh, the rest of the season. Um, But one other scene I wanted to point out, which I I really liked was there's a scene where basically Viserys goes to uh, Lord Lionel Strong, who's the master of laws on the small council. And this is a character we saw him a little bit in the first episode, but he becomes a a very important character and Mm -hmm. his family becomes very important in the dance of the dragons going down the road. And uh, I I just I kind of like the idea that like, you know, Viserys turned to him to be like straight talk. Tell me what you think, because he seems to be like the most straightforward of, of his small council, like he doesn't really have any like agendas or anything like that. And the guy was like, like, dude, you need to take up this proposal because it's the smartest thing to do. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing like the alliance between Corliss and, uh, and Damon and, and the, uh, the, the preview for the next episode. Uh, where we get to see uh, him go up against the crab feeder and uh, the the pirates down on the stepstones looks very very interesting. So yeah. we're gonna get some action next ne- next episode. Definitely. Yeah,
0: visually the crab feeder guy looks freaky as hell, and I'm super stoked to uh, to get That's to see guy? him. I think it's yeah. a guy. I thought it it's, was a, guy. No, it's oh. a guy. No, it's a guy. Okay, so I have a question for the book readers. There was something back when we were watching Game of Thrones a couple of years ago. I remember there being some talks of a king who is called like the king of scabs or the scabbed king or something like that are they talking about viserys with his like getting cut by the throne all the time that was the mad king that was
4: the mad king that was okay. a mad king because because ma- oh, Go good
0: two different two different people then yes yeah okay. two different
4: targaryens okay. one's crazy
0: okay. right? gotcha I just I for some reason I when every time we see him get cut by the throne I keep going back I'm like oh are they talking about the same dude that in the last show that we watched where they were like oh he's the one who always had scabs on yeah. him or whatever okay different guy and cool. and, and just much. and
4: one thing I will say book wise is that this is like what's happening with Viserys is in line with what has occurred to him in the books where he was getting cut and these wounds weren't healing properly so just mm-hmm. enough lie.
2: And, I love- and it's just inter- it's interesting because the books are told from different sources they're mm-hmm. like a historical record so you have a lot of unreliable narrators but the show is saying like okay here's what really happened
0: okay know. cool uh v you were gonna say something i said I,
1: I i love that matthew uh pointed out the allegory with the throne basically killing the king with the death of a thousand cuts i yeah. didn't even pick up on that until till just now I thought he just had like somebody he had like grayscale or something weird that was yeah. moving in on them or something. But well, that's, um,
0: yeah, it's cool. Pe- people keep talking about grayscale with the with the crab feeder. Like yeah, whether or not that person has uh, grayscale, yeah. which I'm interested to find out. And this is a great comment too um, from the yeah. Jedi of Chicago. The throne injuring Viserys is a great callback to the idea that the throne is alive. The theory that the throne is sentient. Uh, uh, Magor, the cruel. Was killed by the throne, mm-hmm. so that's an, also an interesting thing. And I, I think they're doing it real subtly, where it could mm-hmm. easily be explained that he's just kind of klutzy and he gets cut a lot, or it could be there's something you know. Well, the super the super interesting unnatural.
2: thing about Magor's death is is like no one actually knows how he died. No, uh, it, it's a mystery. Maybe but, but he was fa- he was found on the throne with his wrists slashed
3: and wow. and through his throat too.
2: And through his yeah. throat. and and the thing
4: and the thing about Megor, just one little note is that. He was somebody where they kind of said, you know, when a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin. Yeah. And even though they never straight out said it, but Maker was probably crazy, just like the Mad King. He's just mm-hmm. more martially able to enact his cruelty himself. And he was also riding Valerian the Black Dread. Yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to to
1: episode three when Viserys gets a infection from the throne, and they go down <laughs> and they go down to the market and they put his feet in a. In a in the tub full of little fish so the
2: fish can <laughs> well, it, 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 it looks like we're getting up. a big time jump in the next episode as well at least yes. nine months right
0: yeah well yeah we went six months from episode one to episode two six months so we're going to do another jump which has taken almost more than a year from episode one so it's it's a lot yeah, of time be, because was, the next
2: was, episode is called the second of his name and we see that uh that um the new firstborn son uh, comes along yeah,
1: with, right there with the uh,
2: Al, Al and uh and the uh, Yeah, So it, it, there's gotta be a time jump there unless yeah. you know I'm I'm thinking
4: it's probably at least like a year and a half because that toddler looked like he was like maybe six months old at least. Mm, so okay. I'm thinking it's a year Got And a and full half head of solid white hair.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> yes all I'll right
0: be uh, before we go on to super chats uh last round any final thoughts for this episode uh jude go ahead
3: i'm really excited that there was a mention of Vagar because uh if you haven't read the books Vagar was one of the original dragons that were ridden into conquer westeros and no one knows where he is and he is the current biggest dragon in the mm. world
4: yeah because cool. the original three were balerion
3: Vagar and, and, and
4: Meraxes. Meraxes yeah. died in Dorn during the war, the first Dornish War. I think the, fir- yeah, the first of the second Dornish War. So after Balerion died, Vagar is the largest. Mm-hmm. Vagar was also Visenya's dragon as well. Cool. Right I on. thought
3: it was Rainy's. No,
4: Mera- is... Merax- Meraxes had Meraxes.
3: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because they died together. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Do you guys think we're going to see? that dragon? Is it? oh I don't Okay, know. we're getting nods. We don't, don't know. know. Okay, maybe. I think we'll so. See. I think we'll see. so. <laughs> i <laughs> I want more <laughs>
4: <laughs> That'd be really cool. Well, I, said, this, like, I know nothing. I'm john yeah. Snow here. I think yeah. they
1: said that we're going to see 11 dragons this season. 17, 17.
4: 17, yeah, there's like oh, like they like they 30 it? or something that yeah they did. They wow, planned okay. for the show. Very cool. Something like that, yeah
0: right on all right okay just let's go ahead and start pulling up these super chats uh people in the chat uh we are taking super chats right now so if you if you want to support what we do here drop us a dime and uh we'll read your comment and uh talk about it so go ahead let's get the first one backyard tardis nick over here with five dollars thank you sir i love the united stance against alex's kid booing goonies never die yeah yeah I- that's a thing for me, man. Like if you're a kid and you're just like way too sure of yourself and you're just taking care of business, it does stretch my suspension. Uh, or if you It stretches my suspension of disbelief a little bit. So I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of hesitancy, but her been like, man, should I go stick my freaking neck out here and do this? <laughs> yeah. All right. Fuck it. Let's go do it. It's like I just a little bit of a decision there, but she was just like full bore, 100 percent showed up, took care of business. I don't know. I'm being a dick, I guess. My bad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The next uh, $5 super chat from Fluffy Panda. Thank you so much. Very generous. Uh, It was weird. In the show, it's obvious Otto is pushing his daughter to get cozy with King. But on the behind the scenes, they act like they don't. Uh, Behind the scenes, like them together in in the room together. Is that what you're meaning, I think? Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts about this? I think that's what she means, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think... Allison is she knows her role. Yeah, I, th- I think she knows what her father wants her to do, but she's doing it very subtly. And I, I, she's not like um, being so outright blatant about it. Like you no. might expect somebody to be. I think she's just very much like wants to be a friend and wants to play cool with it. But she knows what her father expects of her. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's um, I,
1: I kind of think she wants to be the queen as well. Of course. You
0: think she has that much ambition? Oh, absolutely. Oh, nobody, she doesn't want to be a scepter.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like I think, okay I think my, it's,
1: my, my dad's telling me to go you know get my freak on with this old man but the upside is i get to to be the queen of the world so
3: also i yeah. think that everything <laughs> that happens between her and the king is is very genuine i don't think yeah. she's being disingenuous when she's with him
4: hmm. i think she's got a lot of she's got a lot of stress because she's balancing her father's expectations. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. We're seeing that manifest that way. So she's balancing her father's expectations yet not only is she trying to be as genuine and as authentic as possible to the king who happens to be her best friend's dad uh, who lost a wife and then of course she's got her friendship with Rhaenyra so it's just like she's got these three very important relationships in her life that she's trying to balance and again by the end of the episode she's lost one of them. She's lost one of those poles. Well, we don't know if she's lost it, but we know one of them is damaged because yeah. of the decision that Viserys made. So how does she navigate that going forward? Because you even saw like, and, and you're absolutely right. I think going back to your question as to why she was there, there was no surprise. I'm guessing that there was a conversation before the fact that, because Otto, when you know, when that announcement was made where Viserys said, hey, I'm going to marry us Allison. You say Otto's kind of like,
1: <laughs> looking at his daughter <laughs> kind
4: of all smug like that so there was definitely a discussion beforehand mm-hmm. so they weren't shocked this didn't come out in order for them just for everyone else
2: okay but um yeah i dig it right and on. i i think that alicent at this point she's being genuine like like she, she she's not trying to seduce the king she's just trying to to be kind to him at, at this point and it's not until um like she has children where basically um uh, becomes Rhaenyra becomes jealous. Rhaenyra becomes jealous of 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 the children and sees them as a threat to her succession. And Alicent sees Rhaenyra as threatening her children. Mm. Where uh, Alicent makes that switch from being like like the person who wants to do good to the person mm-hmm. who wants to protect her family by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So for her, I think it's less about the politics and more about the emotion and, and protecting her family and stuff like that. And that's the thing that kind of drives her to start playing the game of Thrones as a serious player, as opposed to someone who's just trying to genuinely do the right thing. Mm. Nice thought. I like that. We saw that.
4: We saw a little bit in the preview. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Fluffy
0: Panda for $2. Great comment. Uh, It's every politician's dream. Married 12 year old. (laughs) God, I freaking hope not. Tell you what, modern freaking American politics right now really makes me question that though. Um, thanks for the two dollars, Fluffy. Thanks you, you for that. the two dollars. <laughs> Great comment. It's, you sick bastard. Uh, you weirdo. Um yeah, it's there's definite uncomfortable things about this universe, but we've we've dealt with that before. Game of sure. Thrones, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really uncomfortable things that happen in that show. One of the ones that really took me aback was um when Jamie Lannister um took
3: Fucked his sister.
0: Fucked his sister <laughs> by Ooh, force. Right at her son's grave that was the one where i was like that was in game of thrones i was like is that really necessary it didn't happen
3: like that in the books
0: that's what i'm saying like it didn't seem necessary i was watching this and i've heard people who, who read the books say that didn't happen in the books i'm like well yeah. why the hell would you put it that in it, the it, it did happen but it wasn't it happen as, like it was that it was consensual yeah, it, it didn't sure. happen like that yeah. okay yeah it was just it, it was a really dark scene and
1: just to bring it to the real world, you know, uh, Laura Ingalls married Almanzo Wilder when she
4: was 14 years old.
3: Oh
4: <laughs> wow, you're taking us back.
3: <laughs> you know, right <laughs> You prairie. right. <laughs> I am right.
4: You're right, Still that's
3: true. <laughs> we, we lived
2: in a messed up world. <laughs> wow, God. all right. That was it. her manly. I know hey, uh, uh, hey Charles Charles, do you know like the uh age of um of uh, not consent, but uh like like when they come of know, age. He, when they come of age, uh do, do you know what, what that age is where basically um a child can start ruling as a lord as opposed to like having a regent?
4: It's I think it's like at least in the Game of Thrones universe, I think it's like 13 or 14. Yeah, hmm. it's 13, 14 when they can start ruling when yeah, when they start ruling on their own accord. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
3: Cool. I think Ja was uh 15 when he was uh actually let me, anointed. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. I know the, the young, right dra- <laughs> the, the young dragon, um, the guy who tried to conquer Dorne. I think he was fifteen when he assumed the throne.
0: Okay, yeah, people so, are young in this universe.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, actually, right. in the book, in the books, Renaris is is like eight years old. I yeah. Think. Wow. It's uh, it's 16. 16. yeah, it's sixteen. It's
0: sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you all for being here in the chat. Appreciate the support, Nick and Fluffy Panda. Thank you guys so much for the super chats. Really appreciate it. Uh, tune in next week we're going to be covering episode three just like we do every week 9 30 a.m pacific time we will be breaking it down talking about it having some fun being nerds uh, so thank you all for being here and uh, just so you guys know we will be going live on twitter spaces tomorrow for our main podcast we're doing judge dread with sylvester stallone and then the carl urban dread so we're doing uh, original versus remake Uh, this week on the podcast so we're going to have a ton of fun be there on twitter spaces and if you're not already head over to our discord uh, server saltynerd and join up there you're going to get all of the notifications on when we drop videos when we're doing watch parties trivia night all kinds of really fun stuff Mm -hmm. over there so if you're not already we
3: do on uh discord is free
0: Yes, everything's free on Discord. If you are a, a club member, go to saltingyourclub.com, $5 a month. It gets you access to a special Discord chat within the server and also a huge library of content as well. We'd love the support. Uh, we're, our goal right now is to get to 100 Patreon members, Uh, So head over there to the saltineerclub.com area and sign up. We'd really love it. And uh, there's a couple of uh, club members in the chat right now, Mm -hmm. and you can ask them if it's worth it. And I guarantee you they're going to say absolutely yes. We have a ton of fun with our club members. All right, let's get the heck out of here. Matt Vader, where can they find you on the socials? And what are you guys doing on Saturdays?
1: Uh, Well, first off, I'm going to go have a watch party in our Discord immediately following the end of this discussion.
3: Ooh, you're going to watch C?
1: We're going to watch C- season three, episode one. Nice so we nice. can talk about that tomorrow and, um, Saturday, what's going on Saturday, Saturday, I believe rings of power, right? Rings of power starting up oh. this week. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, Matthew. So yeah, I'm not sure who are, uh, Special guests are going to be this week, but we'll we'll let everybody uh, know.
2: We're so. we're going to have uh, a fantasy author on with us, as well as Smud Boy, who's a big you YouTuber, go. and uh, Odin's movie blog as well. Oh, sweet! Be joining us in addition Great. to Brian from the podcast. So full panel. Nice, awesome. All right, cool. Uh, Jude, go ahead, take it away. Uh,
3: question. Uh, yeah. what did we say we were going to do when we get to one 100- hundred? Patreon members, we're gonna you
1: watch talking about that. <laughs> we're gonna watch Pluto Nash. <laughs> oh <my
3: God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't sign up for the club. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's better than the alternative. Some people were talking about making us watch the try the Twilight Saga, and I was just like, Oh my, my god, god. that's, that's gonna take like a thousand patrons before we do that. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, Jude, where can they find you, and what do you got going on over Uh, there?
3: I am the redheaded daft cow, and you can find me at I am Jude Juju on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, Also, I uh, had the honor of guesting on someone else's podcast the other day, and that just came out today. Uh, If you listen to Ice Cream Social, you get to listen to me too.
0: Right on. So uh, Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, Ice Cream Mm -hmm. Social. Yeah, uh, where
3: wherever you get podcasts, um, they're pretty popular here locally. Um, lots of people listen to them. And, um, so if you, uh, listen to today's episode, you get to hear me too. Right on. No extra right. charge.
0: And, Free uh, redhead. <laughs> Charles, where can they find you at? And, uh, tell them about your
4: books. Uh, they can find me on Instagram at C-C-E-K-K, at C-C-E-K-E-K-E. Um, I don't really use Twitter, even though I have it, but so Instagram and probably the Facebooks would probably be the best place to find me um the books are the pantheon saga you can find that exclusively on amazon and you can find it on audible and book seven is coming out on september
2: 6th cool right on thank you sir and matthew Gadish. Uh, I just want to let everyone know, if you like our content, subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, whatever you prefer. Uh, We now do video on Spotify as well. So if you like watching us on Spotify, uh, you can certainly find us there. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, that'd be great. And also leave us a five-star rating on your preferred uh, podcasting platform of choice. It goes a long way towards helping the show out. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here.
0: Stay salty, my friends.